0: And welcome back to Lady Parts, a fortnightly podcast looking at women's roles in genre cinema both in front of and behind the camera. We are Amy and Sophie, going for something a little bit different
1: there. <laughs> yeah, mixing <And> it up.
0: <laughs> today we're going to be looking at Sofia Coppola's Civil War revenge tale, The Beguiled. Firstly,
1: we know. We heard, we saw, we read all the Comic-Con updates, and pretty much guaranteed we're excited as you are. Um, So we're going to be doing a Comic-Con mini-sode um, next week, which will highlight all the trailers, news, and, well, highlights that came out of the week, but only as, depending on a sliding scale of how excited we are about <laughs> them. <laughs> to be honest, it's what we're excited about. We, yeah. The rest is going to be, sorry, it's it's in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it'll be available via our website, um, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts by next Wednesday. So on the day we usually update Lady Parts. But on the off Sweet! week.
0: So I'm exciting. very excited.
1: Secondly, on a bit of a more subdued note, before we kick off with the rest of the episode, um, as the Lady Parts' resident horror film consumer, um, I wanted to make a little comment about the passing of George A. Romero. The legendary filmmaker passed away last week after a short battle with aggressive lung cancer. He was 77 years old. Uh, Romero is credited with creating the cinematic zombie as we know it, and um, that's certainly something he's going to be remembered for, but I also hope it's not the only thing that um, he's remembered for. He really pioneered colorblind casting in a time when it wasn't a thing, particularly in his iconic 1968 film, Night of the Living Dead, in which he cast um, Dwan Jones, who's African-American, as the hero lead, um, and, and is an awesome, awesome actor and an awesome character in the film. He also wrote female characters who were rarely objectified in an era where that was kind of what they were there for in horror movies. Um, And instead his female heroes were typically, although not always, um, intelligent and resourceful, and his female villains were cruel, and as many of the male critics of the 60s and 70s, and some still today, described as difficult to watch. Um, Which, look, many filmmakers even today aren't aren't great at. So thank you, George, for your artistry. And your impact, um, your legacy won't soon be forgotten. Yeah, on that note. The, the
0: news! news. <laughs> <laughs> There's no appropriate way to segue. No. I'm sorry. It's so
1: sad. Oh, Georgie <laughs> Ramirez, I'm so
0: sad. I know you um. are. Colin Trevorrow, writer and director. Trevorrow? 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 I just said that. <laughs> no, no, i like, I don't even know if
1: I'm pronouncing it correctly. Is it Trevoro oh. or Trevoro?
0: I cannot, uh, I confess I have not he- ever heard it spoken out loud. No. I think it's one of those words that you make up the sound, like, Hermione, I didn't know how that was pronounced until somebody else said it out loud. I just
1: say, have <laughs> Me too! <laughs> Yes. Anyway. And I feel bad because how my mum you would say it when we read it together when I was Her a me small own. child.
0: Hermione. <laughs> it's brilliant. Anyway, Colin <laughs> at least I got his first name right this time. Um, writer and director of Safety Not Guaranteed. An excellent film actually. Um is it, is I enjoyed it an excellent it. film. Well, it may not be excellent, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> um, he, but he did Safety Not Guaranteed, Jurassic World, and the so far untitled Star Wars Episode 9 um, has had his most recent film, The Book of Henry. It kind of sucked. It was an utter commercial and critical failure. Um, now, he has since been interviewed a number of times over it and had to defend the future of his Star Wars film with some very interesting quotes, quotable quotes, <laughs> I have to say. Um, but it also comes off the back of a highly tumultuous time for the Star Wars franchise generally, um, as a lot of you may have heard. Rogue One um, was met with mixed reviews, one. But most recently, directors of the Han Solo, solo film, that's hard to say, uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller were replaced. Not just replaced, but systematically fired, mm. like publicly fired, yeah. not even let go, but fired. Uh, that was the word that was publicly used. They all shamed it out of there. They really did. <laughs> Actually, I don't think they did. I think Things they might drop it out yeah. of there on Twitter. Um, but then they were replaced by Ron Howard, which I find the most interesting choice but is not what we're going to talk about. I do like Ron
1: Howard. That's a, uh, that's a side note. But I continue. do like Ron Howard.
0: It's a, such an interesting choice. Yeah, for him. Yeah, absolutely. Such well, an interesting on choice. many levels. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Continue. But besides the point, so what we want to talk about, though, is Given Colin does not have the best track record, um, one of the things we want to really explore is the failing up concept. More importantly, do we think a woman writer or director would have been able to get away with a commercial and critical bomb and then get handed Star Wars? Look, Amy, I think we both
1: know the answer. That is a hard no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Hard'd no. Be the it's probably um, I think the number one response to that. Um, it's it's bizarre to me that um, a guy who has had such limited experience and limited success mm. um, would be rewarded in such a um, such a massive way and in such a financially
0: critical way, I guess, and professionally critical way too. Yeah. You know, to be given your own Star Wars movies, actually, to be given Jurassic World, the first in a reboot, yeah, was beyond comprehension to begin with. but when he had
1: one film under his belt, which was like a little indie thing.
0: Yeah, which not a lot of people saw. Mm. Um, I think the only reason I saw it was because Netflix had it. (laughs) Yeah, it is on Netflix. Um, Um, But then to be given the final in the new reboot of Star Wars, like, that's a pretty huge fucking deal.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, It's it's, it's... I mean,
0: I think all counts
1: of the Star Wars reboot have been interesting. But, you know, JJ Abrams, I got J.J. Abrams. I mm. get why they would have given him the job. Like while J.J. Abrams has had some um some failures within his career, A, he's an adventurous and interesting filmmaker. Yeah. And one whose success is far out successes and experience far outweigh the drawbacks. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of J.J. Abrams by be. any stretch of the yep. imagination, but I appreciate and respect the decision to give him the franchise,
0: yeah. I um, and he's I, got a demonstrable track record in terms of reboots as well, he does, and yeah, that absolutely. high value blockbuster with yeah. Star Trek. And like I said,
1: while he may not be my favorite, I find that why he's not my favorite is because I don't like some of the choices that he makes as a filmmaker. Yeah. By all accounts, he seems to be a very respectable person. People like working with him, yeah. which is a part of the reason why he gets a lot of jobs. Um, but he had a lot of and jobs. I, yeah, exactly. And I've and I value what he. Even if I disagree with the choices yeah. that he makes, I appreciate and value what he brings to a project. Yes. Um. And I like, like I said, he wasn't my favorite choice for Star Trek, but it's I appreciate what he did with that yeah. franchise. Um. And I think there's many, many worse choices that you could make. Um. And so I appreciated why he got it, but the choices since have been bizarre. And um, they seem to be handing this the Star Star Wars franchise over to really inexperienced filmmakers who aren't making very good films. Like, even removing the Star Wars aspect to them. Um, I did not like Rogue One, as you know.
0: Um, as we saw it together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, we have de- dis- deferring p- opinions yeah. on Rogue One. But, no, but the, the point is there, you know, it's... They've been given these really ho- these mediocre men Sorry, dudes have been given really high professional and commercial value films or properties. Um, and, and what's really interesting, I think, about Colin um, Trevorrow, particularly, is some people have raised this with him directly, and he acknowledges the fact that he's failing up, yeah. And but makes he's leaning into it, he's like, Well, you yeah, know, well, why wouldn't you exactly? it like, that's the thing, like yeah. it's I, I don't fold him for leaning into it, yeah. Um,
1: because, I mean, if someone, if I completely fucked something up, and then people are like, hey, do you want this better
0: thing? I'd be like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for trusting me again to fail. Um, but even even the Brad Bird thing, I don't, um, if you haven't heard, Brad Bird, <laughs> that rhymed and it was awesome in my head. Yeah. Um, he was directing or going to lead Star Wars number nine. Hmm. Um, and basically when it became apparent. No, Brad
1: Bird was Jurassic World.
0: Jurassic World, yes, sorry, sorry you are yes. right. No, 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 you're right. Um, um, but when it became apparent he wasn't going to be able to put the attention to it that he had hoped. Because he was um, doing Tomorrowland at the time. Exactly, which is another discussion. Um, I still like it. He, actually, he suggested Colin, not because he had the cred, not because he had the um, experience, but because he reminded Brad Bird of him.
1: Yeah, which is a...
0: Direct quote.
1: Which, look... <laughs> It's, and, it, and it fosters this idea, I guess, of the of the boys' club again. Yeah. And it's it's just a really interesting thing when you look at kind of, I think, sexism in film and, and in any industry. Um, people talk quite substantially about how – about the progress we've made. And there's certainly areas that we haven't had progress at all, like we talked last week about – or two weeks ago about um, pay gaps and stuff yeah. like that, which is still very, very prevalent, unfortunately. Um, but – I find the way sexism operates these days are much more insidious. Because mm. the boys' clubs don't officially exist anymore. But you know what? They're actually still pretty fucking alive and well. Yeah. Um and it's and this is this quote from Brad Bird, who I do actually like as a director a lot. Um, he's done two of my favourite films, which is you know, The Iron Giant and The Incredibles. Yeah. Um, both films which I really, really love and respect. And um but this kind of idea of passing the reins to someone because they remind you of you when they've got and, and giving someone the keys to the kingdom ultimately for uh, who's got very limited experience and hasn't really proven themselves as a director. Mm. Um,
0: Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I think I, I I immediately thought of um, Judd Apatow um, and Lena Dunham, because it's not that it, guys don't think of women, it's just that it, it happens so rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, Judd and Lena have this very – Lena, isn't it? I don't fucking Lena. know. I just Lena. make this shit up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lena Dunham. It is Lena Dunham. Yeah. Um, you know, they have this mentor, sh- mentor um, relationship, which is really great, and it's seen her career jump forward in leaps and bounds. But it's it's a, it's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Um, it's so rare to hear of that um, kind of male-female mentoring, and, but even even more so female-female mentoring. Like um, Kathleen Kennedy has has pointedly said that Star Wars will not be given to a female director until she deems one worthy. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs>
1: which, is, which is hilarious when they're giving it to to yep. people like um, Colin Trevorrow. Or people, even like Ryan um, Ryan Johnson, mm. um, who's doing episode eight? Who I, I mean, he directs some my favorite Breaking Bad episodes. I don't really have any kind of faults with him on that front, but it's, um, and I, I hope and pray that he does a good job yep. with episode eight. But he is unproven for a film of this scale. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there are lots of women directors who have done amazing, amazing episodes of television. Um. Who or aren't being yeah. yeah aren't being extended the same courtesy yeah um, so it's it's such a tricky balance but to come back to our core question um, with this news item tonight do I think a woman writer or director will be able to get away with the same with a with a commercial and critical failure and then be given once again the keys to a kingdom or not be bumped from a project because because to be fair to Colin Trevorrow he did sign. Onto episode Star Wars episode nine after the success of Jurassic World and yeah. not the which um, look I, I mean, you, you can go back to our ep- we did Jurassic World um, you can go back and listen to our thoughts comments I'm and feelings about opinions. that movie but it's not one that's aged particularly well already yeah um, so even my small amount of goodwill towards it initially I have depleted has depleted it dramatically yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's just such a, it's it's frustrating to see as well because there are so many, um, so many talented people. And you know what? Even let's take this away, it's not even just women. You know, it's men of color. It is women of color. It is, um, people of different gender identities. Yeah. And. And it's even, dare I say it, it's other white men who yeah. might be able to he, do... who could have done better. Who could have done better. Yeah. And who... look And look, to be fair, we have not seen Colin Trevorrow's Star Wars episode, but we have seen Jurassic World. I mean, we haven't watched Book of Henry yet, but... It's all trailer. Enough it. But I've seen Safety enough. Not Guaranteed, I'm I'm not... I'm, I'm disappointed and I'm um, saddened to think that the future of this franchise that I care a lot about might be not be in the best hands.
0: Yeah. And I think what's, what's interesting for me is do we think a woman writer-director would be able to get away with the same, i.e. failing and then getting a blockbuster? No, because women writer-directors have succeeded and still not been offered the same opportunity. Mm. Um, Brenda Chapman from Brave is a good example. Um, Brave came out in 2012 and she... Is now in post production for one film. She's had one film in five years. Yeah. Um, Deborah Granick. She was did, fired from Brave as well. though. And remember. fired from Brave, yeah. <laughs> like you know, dramatic exit. And and look, that's fa- that that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. by the accounts of the Han Solo film, that's a failure. Yeah. Um, you know, she was fired from Brave, and she hasn't recovered mm. well. Um, Deborah Granick. Critically acclaimed, multi award winning *Winter's Bone* was in 2010, and she's only done documentaries since. Yeah. Um, so well, I th- there's a, a, a massive. I mean, even, well, Patty, even Jenkins, Patty Jenkins, yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Um, she had *Monster* back in 2005. Mm. And her next big – she went into television. An
1: Oscar-nominated Oscar nomina- film, Oscar-winning film, yeah. you know,
0: um, and had to go into television after that because she was having kids. Mm-hmm. And her next film after Monster, which was 12 years ago, was Wonder Woman. And and it's thing is, the most well, commercially successful film of the year.
1: Yeah, 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 and the highest grossing with a female director of all time. Of all time. Um, and it's not even just the fact that she. She. It's not like because no, no criticism at all of TV and the. And we're certainly not TV mm. snobs. yet grand TV consumers. But um, but she wasn't even given like a season. Contract. It's not like it was like Steven Soderbergh with the Nick or anything, where it was mm. like she was ma- the master of the show over the course of the season. She was doing episode slots. Yeah. Um, she was essentially, from the sounds of it, a gun for hire.
0: Um, no, no, that's exactly right. She wasn't. Um, she wasn't driving the train. She was borrowing it. <laughs> that's a oh, terrible yeah, that's, metaphor. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know. I... I think um, A Wrinkle in Time, which we're going to talk about shortly, could be... And, and Wonder Woman are a couple of deciding factors. They're going to prove that it... Can well, be done and it should be done. Yeah, well, we're even like
1: not a hundred percent confirmed that Patty will be directing Wonder Woman two, she... but she is developing the treatment currently, yep. and they have confirmed now that uh, as of Comic Con. Again, that... more on that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that Wonder Woman two is happening, mm. so we can just hope and pray forever that Wonder Woman two will be in Patty's um, good trusted hands again. hells yeah! Um, and I think it. I think they'd be insane, given it's DC's like success.
0: <laughs> 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 you notice, we'll talk about this when we talk about trailers, Justice League trailers, very different looking have now. Have you noticed
1: they're in reshoots, and the reshoots have been estimated to be $25
0: million? What? Yeah,
1: so that's a different We'll talk about that next week, Excellent. guys. Excellent. All right, let's move Pop on. Yourselves together. Okay, so am I going to, go to the next news Yes, news item number yes. two. So, moving on. Uh, Christopher Nolan's World War II drama Dunkirk was released last week and has inspired a flurry of good reviews, and as with any cultural juggernauts, A lot of think pieces do. Mm -hmm. Um, A particularly interesting one comes from Kate Erbland at IndieWire, who claims that the fact that Dunkirk does not pass the Bechdel test and is still a brilliant film is a sign that the Bechdel test is not always relevant.
0: Thoughts, comments, feelings? I agree. Yeah. With a tentative pause. Um... I mean, we even talked about this a little bit
1: last week, with, or the other week with Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, no, I think I
0: think I think it's a valid point. You know, there are stories that aren't going to have women in it. Like it's a, it is. I'm always going to come on the side of where are the ladies mm. because there's not enough lady stories. But something like Dunkirk, it's actually quite hard. I think to shoehorn it in without getting the backlash, which inevitably happened. Yeah. Um. In saying that. I have other issues with Dunkirk, which, let's talk about the Bechdel test first.
1: Uh, well, and also, <laughs> secondly, you haven't seen Dunkirk yet. I have not. Yet. So, as someone who has seen Dunkirk. Oh,
0: but the only reason we're talking about it is because you saw it. No. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: article? I did read the, the article. article. Um, so, uh, actually, the article's great. It's, uh, it is a ang- good And Kate Erbland, um, you know, she's, has, she speaks to Alison Bechdel during it. It's and she's really comparing Dunkirk with Their Finest. And and yep. Their Finest is was is a movie by Alone um Shuk, um, who's a director I really, really like. I think she's awesome. She had An Education, which is one of my favourite movies. Um, and did one day and a bunch of other films. Yep. she's she's a very talented, awesome female director. Their finest is, is a lot of fun, but it's not my favorite movie. But but it also deals with du- with the Battle of Dunkirk. Yeah, um, or the retreat at Dunkirk rather, uh, which might be more actual apt, apt title. Um, I think the issue with Dunkirk. I mean, I. Um, I am... I have, like, one foot on the Dunkirk train. <laughs> I don't love it, um, but I thought there's was a lot to like in it, yeah. and I thought that it was beautifully shot, especially in the score by Hans Zimmer is, like, chef kissy hands amazing. <laughs> um, and I think if you were watching that movie, though, without the Hans Zimmer score... I think people would not be as in love with the film as they are um, because the score is 90%. Does 90% of the heavy lifting. I think, though, um, what I'm getting at, though, is I absolutely don't think that the Bechdel test is relevant to every movie. There are stories that don't have women in substantial roles, and I'm not saying that that's a... um, that's a good or a bad thing it's just a fact of of life of cinema of story um mm. but my issue is that i think if we're talking about the bechdel test and i think it's an important uh, an important point to have in it is when you're looking at a filmmaker's career and i think christopher nolan has a long history of not particularly thinking of women.
0: Or people of colour. I would also like to shoehorn. There yes. is an equivalent people of colour test, which sounds terrible. Yeah, you have to a test. Uh, yes, and um, likewise with Dunkirk. And that's one of my big bone of contentions with Dunkirk is there's this big British push that, oh, no, there were no coloured people at Dunkirk. And you're like, well, actually, there was. Um, and it's been heavily documented that the Indian um, Royal Military Royal Army, um, were there and were not um, just a small group. It was quite a substantial group, and they were involved in the evacuation. Mm-hmm. That's getting away from the point. Yeah, and, um, kind of,
1: and kind of what I'm coming back to is the fact that I think Christopher Nolan, as a director – I mean, I have my own issues with Christopher Nolan anyway, because I think – I mean, Satoshi Kon is one of my favourite directors, and he's he did some amazing cinema, including Millennium Actress, um, Perfect Blue, um, Paprika, all of which – Christopher Nolan's obvious and Darren Aronofsky as well. I've yeah. drawn heavily on in their careers. Huge. Darren Aronofsky, to his credit, has paid for the rights. Like he bought the rights for *Perfect Blue* and adapting um, *Requiem*. Reck- Reck- well, in making *Requiem for a Dream* yeah. and *Black Swan*, because yeah. he took lifted stuff from it. And Satoshi Kon's stuff, because I mean Satoshi Kon has tragically died quite young. Um got paid – his estate got paid for it, um, whereas Christopher Nolan really – like, if you watch Paprika and Inception, it is bad. And he somehow manages, though, to adapt, to obviously draw insane mm. amounts of inspiration from Satoshi Kon's work with changing all the characters to men <laughs> <laughs> because Satoshi Kon's work is really heavily dominated by women and by yep. really interesting women. And, and I think that's more a testament to um, Christopher Nolan's filmmaking – Generally, and the fact that when we have these conversations about the Bechdel test, I think you've got to consider where a film fits into someone's career. Because if they are making a film like Dunkirk, which is set in this very specific time in history that was... Under very specific conditions. Under very specific conditions and was, for want of a better phrase... Dick heavy, I don't know. <laughs> Penis farm. <bomb. laughs> Penis farm. I don't know where that came
0: from. <laughs> um, no, uh, was, but it was male heavy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was male heavy. And to think, and I'm not arguing with that, but I think though, his track record, I think, shows that he's not really interested in putting women into his stories yep. generally, uh, unless they're a device. For, for for male for male Motivation. expansion yeah I guess
0: I think it raises an interesting question to um after Elizabeth Banks's faux pas with uh, Stephen calling yes, out Steven Spielberg because it's not a dissimilar situation um what because the response was well number one she got it wrong but if they're not going to do it well which Spielberg and Nolan have not done done, inverted commas, um, female characters well, although the colour purple is exceptional, besides mm-hmm. the point. Exception, not the rule. Um, yeah, if and, they also, and also
1: is very strong source material that's been adapted. Exactly, from...
0: yeah. Um, if they don't treat their female characters well, should they be writing or directing female-led stories. I don't,
1: I don't think that's a good enough excuse. This, this is my problem, is that, oh, you identify... As a writer myself, um, you identify what you're bad at writing and you aim to get better at it. You don't simply be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually shit at writing women, so now my, none of my stories is going to have women in yeah. them. It's... I, I, you should... I mean, as a human being, let alone, another, like, let alone a writer, you should always be striving to to expand and learn and to and to develop your skills. Yep. And I just don't think it's a good enough excuse to be like, you know what? This is hard to write, so I'm not going to write it's it. Too hard basket.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And look, it's asking the question. It's worth asking the it question is. because I think Absolutely. that question keeps coming up because the reality is everybody who writes female characters, I have a news flash for you, they're not all that different to male characters. Just don't give what? them a penis. You know, I know, it's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, So it does, it's not a question, I think, of female characters. It's about story, it's about narrative, and it's about writing good, fully fleshed-out characters, which Nolan has demonstrated he can do. Mm. Spielberg has demonstrated he can do. Yeah. But they're making, as you said, certain choices about the types of stories they're telling that excludes people of colour, excludes women, particularly yeah. in Nolan's case.
1: And that's not – it's – and I don't, and like, that's kind of what I was getting at before. Is I don't have an issue with that on a one to one basis. But if you're looking at the body of of uh, work, yeah, of work, or at the um, at, at the end of the day, Christopher Nolan's an incredibly respected director. He's an incredibly successful director, and he, he well, Dunkirk. Again, I I did quite like Dunkirk. At the end of the day, and again, I think the score was ninety percent of that. <laughs> but still, it's a. I, I do think. Christopher Nolan is a, is a um, charismatic and interesting director and a yeah. talent. Um, but the fact that Dunkirk is dominated by men, you could argue about the situation all you like, but at the end of the day, that's the history of his filmmaking. Mm. It's not... The fact that it is what the situation is what it is almost feels a little bit irrelevant. Because yes. um, you can look at someone... For instance, I mean, it's not, not the best comparison, but you can look at someone like Catherine Bigelow, for instance, whose work is populated by films that are in very masculine mm-hmm. um, situations. Um, you can look at um, The Hurt Locker or Zero Dark Thirty, and you can look at even her upcoming Detroit, which I'm very mm. excited for. It's I think really it looks good. really interesting. Um, it's And yet there are still women in those stories. And, in fact, I mean, Zero Dark Thirty, obviously, the leads a woman. Yep. Even in The Hurt Locker, there's um, there's very, very essential female characters, particularly in – and they might be in – wife roles and stuff but they feel like fully formed characters whereas oh you're disagreeing with me I, yeah it, it, I'm,
0: only only because of Hurt Locker there was opportunity there that wasn't taken I think in the casting for female characters but that's neither here nor there in yeah. terms of that discussion around I mean, the Bechdel test s- it doesn't inhibit the story it doesn't inhibit the quality of the work um by not having a, a swathe of female characters
1: yeah but it, well, and kind of what i'm getting at though is
0: the fact that you can have films that are based
1: in very very masculine industries and very masculine periods of of history and still have a female characters and there's plenty of opportunity with with dunkirk to have him, and i think that's bullshit they didn't yeah there's no reason like so the bit with mark rylance so so in dunkirk the three storylines that you've got happening the situation with mark rylance on the boat there's no reason that couldn't have been a female character yeah um and it's and again like this is just indicative of the history of christopher nolan's filmmaking and and as you'll see time and time again you could even argue this with colin trevoro who we were just talking mm-hmm. about where he's got a history of having women in kind of uh, sidekick roles, sidekick or or romantic, exclusively romantic roles, mm, mm. and even like Bryce Dallas Howard, who I really like. I really like her as an actress. Um, her Black Mirror episode is again chef kissy hands. Um, but, <laughs> um, but her it it's just, it's a, such a superficial understanding of womanhood, and it's basically a guy's for the fact that she's the romantic lead. Like that's all it is. Like it's it's a her. Um, her career is as much a costume as as her high heels were, and her white um, outfit, which barely got dirty at all. <sighs> um, yeah, but yeah. So I don't know. Like it's, and I think when we're considering the Bechdel test, I so this is a very long roundabout way of me saying that. I don't think a film has to pass the Bechdel test, but I think we do need to consider a filmmaker's career, what career and body of work, when we have this conversation. Because if it's a pattern of behaviour with them, then I think that is a problem. Mm.
0: Or it's at least something to talk about or something to consider. Mm. Um, yes, I concur. Yeah. Well, I don't cook. Ha! That rhymed in my head. <laughs> <laughs> in my just barely cut that wrong. out, <laughs> it's Barely wrong. Jesus Christ, Amy, what are we oh. even doing? No, I agree. And I think in saying that, though, when we talk about um, race, I think it's a different discussion again. Um, and one for different minds and different voices than ours to be able to have that discussion. Um, yeah. But I think it's a, a, not a dissimilar situation.
1: Yes. Um, and on that note, um, for the discussion of there go. On that note, um, on the discussion of race um, and these sorts of tests, um, Vulture and IndieWire have both been publishing some really great women of colour um, voices, which are articulating opinions like that. We'll try and link to some in the newsletter mm. this week. We won't try. We will link to some in the newsletter this week. Yes. Um, so read ahead.
0: Yes. All right. So last but not least, um, we're going to talk about a couple of new trailers which Yay. have landed over the past month. Um, Fortnite, Fortnite. That's true. Fortnite. It's Fortnite.
1: And also, again, we're not talking Comic Con stuff. The Comic
0: Con stuff will all be in next week's juicy episode later. <laughs> um, but two trailers that have really caught our attention, um, have been A Wrinkle in Time and The Shape of Water. So A Wrinkle in Time, um, is about it is a magical, science fictiony, I think it's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not science. It's about time travel and shit. Um, After the disappearance of her scientist, haha, father... Three (laughs) peculiar beings send Meg, her brother, and her friend to space in order to find him. Um, This film is based on Madeline L'Engle's novel and has been adapted by screenwriter Jennifer Lee, um, who's known for Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, and Zootopia, and director Ava DuVernay, um, Selma, Queen Sugar, and Thirteenth. And it stars Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, Chris Pine, and Storm Reid, who looks awesome source. She's so cute. I love her. Super cute and very tall. Um, Second trailer we're looking at is The Shape of Water*. Which is an otherworldly fairy tale set against the backdrop of the Cold War era America circa 1963 Um, In the hidden high security government laboratory where she works Lonely Elisa is trapped in a life of silence and isolation Her life is forever changed when she and co-worker Zelda discover a secret classified experiment this film is the latest from, oh, Willa, we, Mel Deltar. Thank you. <laughs> welcome. It's really hard today. Pan's Labyrinth. Um, he's very famous for Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, which I love, and Pacific Rim, which I kind of secretly love, hate. Um, and it's co-written by Vanessa Taylor, who's um, known for Game of Thrones, Hope Springs. Oh, I have the best joke about Hope Springs. Um, <laughs> Divergent. Oh, wait, no, wait, that's Hope Floats. Never mind. Hope Springs. <laughs> Divergent and Everwood. Uh, and stars Sally Hawkins, Octavia Spencer, Michael Shannon, who creeps me out, and Doug Jones, nice. who is in every Del Toro movie known to mankind. Michael so, Shannon's such a sexy serial killer. He's I love so it. fucking creepy. I love him. He gives he's me so the funny. willies, and I don't know why. I think we've had this discussion on the podcast have. before. On um, and off the podcast. <laughs> so um, we've we bundled these two because they're both really, I think, interesting stories, um, really exciting stories that we're excited by. <laughs> And the dog's <laughs> <is> excited by? <right? laughs>
1: she is pumped. She's like, yes,
0: <laughs> a wrinkle in time. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're excited by both of these. Um. so. <laughs> <laughs> <safe. That's> <laughs> Thank you. As is Sophie. As is Sasha, I called the dog Sophie. <laughs> oh god. You and me, You're Sasha. Sit down? It's us against the world. You gonna sit down? Sit. Sit. Oh, not full. Sit. Good girl. <laughs> um. All right. Coming back. So, what do you
1: reckon? Oh, man, I'm pumped for both of these. I mean, A, I'm always pumped. I, mean, I know I've talked a lot in this podcast before about I am willing to just fucking go with a, with a new um, genre film. Mm-hmm. Um, and while um, A Wrinkle in Time an adaptation, it is, I think, relatively um, a new and original um, sci-fi fantasy film, and Shape of Water is obviously totally original, and both of them look awesome. They both look so good and like such interesting um additions to the um to the genre film canon. Yep. Um and pretty um pretty tight actually, like watching the trailers. Like it's even you know, like when you watch the Jupiter Ascending trailer, you kinda saw that and you were like, Oh hot mess, I'm ready for you. <laughs> Whereas both these look like they're tightly told, um, interesting, dynamic stories. I mean, I loved Selma. I love Queen Sugar. Um, so I really, really trust Ava DuVernay. And similarly, I really trust Guillermo del Toro. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies. I love Hellboy. Hellboy. I, I love. I love hate Pacific Rim. I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, and I think he's. Um, I think he's such a an interesting creative voice. And I trust Mm. him with female characters. I think he writes really interesting female characters. And he writes Um, interesting stories. Like, they're original interesting stories. And I love that he's got a female co-writer on this, which he doesn't often have. Um, And I think, I mean, she's got an interesting history, but she's written some really, really great episodes of Game of Thrones. Um, I didn't like Hope Springs at all, or <laughs> Divergent, but I really loved Everwood, so I'm excited to see what she can do, yep. um, and I'm excited for them to work together. Um, similarly, with Jennifer Lee, I thought Rocket Ralph, Frozen, and Zootopia are all great films, like really yep. solid films, and, and to see her collaborate with... Ava DuVernay, um, and the awesome actors, awesome actors they really have in solid in *A Wrinkle in Time*. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking pumped, man! Like I'm so excited for *Brooke's* movie.
0: Yes, yeah. I think what's really cool *A Wrinkle in Time*. So it was published uh sixty nineteen sixty three. Um, so it is rel- it, This is a new audience. It's it's being mm. shared with a new audience, which is really exciting. Um, and The Shape of Water is new content, which is also very exciting. And they're not part of a franchise. Yeah. They're not a reboot, and that makes me very, very, very happy. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very <laughs> happy. Yeah, me too. And they've all both got really solid casts, as you said, really solid crews. Um, and uh, frankly, A Wrinkle in Time just looks really fun. Like, yeah. It is beautiful yeah this the the um character costume character posters sorry that they released of um oprah winfrey reese witherspoon and mindy kaling just look amazing yeah like reese witherspoon as a redhead i'm on board <laughs> i don't like her at all oh, but, i love Reese oh, Witherspoon. no nah, nah, walk the lines probably the only thing i could tolerate her in but redhead i'm on board I think,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, they both look awesome. I'm just so pumped. It's, it's I actually almost don't have a lot to say about either of these in the sense that I've got a lot to say, but it's going to be me fangirling for, like, half an hour, which we don't Pretty need much. on this podcast. No,
0: not at all. Um,
1: but again, like, I'm just so excited that we're getting two films that aren't franchised, like yeah. you said. Uh, While well, one's an adaptation. It is the first adaptation mm. of this story, so it's not even a reboot of an adaptation. Yeah. Um, and the other one's a completely original story um, by, again, and both by filmmakers that I really trust.
0: Yeah, um, and they're both cool because they're both – I really like science angles in fantasy. Yeah. Um, and both of them have this. Even though there's a lot of magic realism going on in A Wrinkle in Time, um, it's still very science-driven. Yeah. It's about these absolutely. concepts of time and place um, and connections, which it's, it's an interesting take on it, which is exciting. And then the Shape of Water is totes totes about the science, yeah. Um, but it's my... a mythical creature as well, exactly. Like it's, yeah. So it's
1: that kind of it's yeah, it's that fairy tale. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm really excited as well. That the Shape of Water includes that the, the main character has has a disability and that she's um, very mute and stuff. Yes. And I think that's really exciting and really yep. interesting too. And I like that she's They're not the um, um, the classic I get because I mean Shape of Water from the trailer and again it could be completely different, but it looks like it's a Beauty and the Beast tale. Yep. Um, but the Sally Hawkins, as much as I love her. you, know she wouldn't. She's not someone who you consider a classical beauty. She's probably yes. aged out of that role anyway, and and she's kind of got this very specific, um, this specific look to her, and and, um, and having Octavia Spencer as the key supporting cast member as well makes me so excited because yeah. I love Octavia Spencer. Um, and Michael Shannon, as I said before. Um, but, yeah, but having it as a as a really, really unconventional take on that, I love it. Mm. It's, I'm, and I'm I'm really excited to see what these two films are. I am, too. Yes.
0: And I, po- I only pause, I only have a minor dramatic pause because I want to talk about it at the Comic-Con episode because Ready Player One's trailer also got released. That's
1: for t- next week, no, Amy! Well, no, the only
0: reason I bring it in is that I think I'm – I'm really excited, particularly even more so after seeing Ready Player One's trailer, yeah. because we're getting stock standard, which we'll talk about a little bit more, whereas Wrinkle in Time and The Shape of Water are so original. They've got um, non-typical heroes. Yeah. Um, we've got diverse uh, w- cast. Diverse castes. We've got women writers, um, yeah, women, women op- directors. Yeah. You know, It's such an interest. They're both such interesting projects that when – then is released, something like Ready Player One, I actually get a little bit yeah, oh, what'd you do that for character.
1: come on yeah. <laughs> yep. yes well and that's exactly right you know this is what this podcast is ultimately about is women in genre cinema in front of and behind oh, the camera no. and these both of these trailers are showing films that are going to have that yeah which makes me really excited for both of them and I want to support them yeah and I'm sure we'll be reviewing them in, yes in, we will um, in 2018 yeah well like Shape it's... of Water comes out at the end of this year so. <gasps> does it? yeah <sighs> so Shape of Water's this year and then um, I believe A Wrinkle in Time is early next
0: year yes it is yep. so yeah, so stay tuned. Hells yeah, and we'll tell you all about it when the next trailer comes out. Yeah <laughs> Alright, on to the main event. <laughs> Miss Martha! Miss Martha! Girls, we all need to help. Quickly, he's losing blood. We pray that the Lord see fit to restore the health of the wounded soldier. We ask for your protection over our school and we pray
1: that we will be kept from harm throughout the night. Amen. Amen. Seems
0: like the soldier being here is having an effect.
1: If you could have anything in the world, what would it be?
0: To be taken far away from here. We can show him some real southern hospitality.
1: John McBurney is an injured Union soldier who finds himself on the run as a deserter during the Civil War. He seeks refuge at an all-female Southern boarding school where the teachers and students seem more than willing to help. Soon, sexual. Wow, no, that's terrible. I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> That was bad. uh, So, soon sexual tensions lead to dangerous rivalries as the women tend to his wounded leg while offering him comfort and companionship. So, yeah, Amy, thoughts, comments, feelings, the beguiled.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I had many feelings. Um, Look, this is going to be a really short podcast because I don't have a lot to say about this movie. Okay. I didn't not like it. However, I never have to watch it ever again in my life. Mm Um. It is a beautiful film. It is beautifully shot. it has a fantastic soundtrack. The use of light and sound um, is really well done, um, particularly that ca- the candle aspect and the, the mist aspect. all of those things were really well done to make a really evocative film. Um, <laughs> I, the cast is amazing. Cast mm. is really good. The cast is really solid. It's got a solid script. Colin Farrell is my favorite person in the world. He's always been a particular favorite of mine. Um, The fact that he's Irish doesn't hurt matters.
1: Um, (laughs) He is a beautiful man.
0: He's a beautiful man, and they do a lot with it. Like Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, and even Kirsten Dunst to a lesser extent, I think, um, they have these really sparse um, engagements in person but so much comes behind it you can see them not you can't see them working hard but they are working so hard and i couldn't see it and that was really delightful like that one scene where the um, Kimbitt's character, Miss Martha, says goodnight to McBurney at his room, and she goes in for the kiss. And it's mm. not him instigating it. And the fact that they don't say anything, and you know what the intent is. He's yeah. doing it out of obligation because he wants to stay, and she's doing it because she's lonely and in power and all this kind mm-hmm. of shit. They they do so much with these really sp- um, sparse characters that I just, I, I loved, I loved the way they dealt with those characters. In saying that, the reason that I'm like, I never have to watch this movie ever again <laughs> is it's a red pill apologist movie. <laughs> and, and that makes me very awkwardly uncomfortable. Tonally, we didn't need it. We did not need this remake by any stretch. It's a Sophia Coppola movie. It's the same as The Virgin Suicides. It's the same as Marie Antoinette. And the fact that this movie, which is about women who are throwing themselves at one man because they can and he's the only man there, and then he gets punished for doing something wrong, it just feels so off-tone for where we are now. Those are my thoughts. That's really interesting. Yeah, I was... um...
1: Look, I... I
0: <laughs> <laughs> we both didn't exactly love
1: this movie, is what I'm gathering. Uh, no, I, I, I... Again, I thought it was visually sublime as mm. well. Um, it was beautiful. Those, The whole production mm. design...
0: Was yeah. amazing. Stunning.
1: And I mean that's what Coppola, that's kind of what you go into a Sophia Coppola film, I think, yeah. wanting. I agree. Um, I'd listen to so I had troubles arranging my thoughts on this film. So I listened to a bunch of interviews with Sophia Coppola, which I think was a mistake. <laughs> um I because I've always liked her as a director. I think she's done some really interesting films. I agree. Um I think Sophia Coppola's got the capacity capacity for great complexity as a filmmaker yes um and um a great understanding of um femininity and power and sexuality and womanhood general and identity generally and intimacy um i don't think that understanding was displayed in this movie i concur it's not that i don't think it was a good film because i do but it felt very shallow to me. It felt really superficial. Yeah. All the relationships just seemed to have not it almost felt like a first draft of a script. Like it just never quite it was like all these all the bones of these relationships were so interesting and really mm. good. And then but it never quite delved deep enough. And the bits that I liked kind of what, like reiterating, re- reiterating what you were just saying about um I I think I would follow Nicole Kidman to Mordor like it's I think she's amazing <laughs> see that's really um, interesting because I and, haven't
0: liked her in a while and oh, this changed I my mind her. I was like I remember why I liked you she,
1: I think she's phenomenal as an actress I think yep. she's one
0: of I think she's one of the greatest actresses of our generation
1: yep. hands down and it's um, and I mean again it's been reiterated recently by Big Little Lies which I think yep. is phenomenal and she is phenomenal in and um, and I love that everyone's – because everyone's like, what? Nicole Kidman's great? And I'm like, have you not seen any of her films at all for the last like, – because, I mean, Revelation, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it's – she's always been amazing. And she – um, in the same way, I think that, like – um, and, again, this is, this is a bit of a tangent right now. But yep. same way, I think Brad Pitt makes some really, really – fantastic and interesting career choices. I think she does, too. They choose weird movies, man. And they're, like, they're A-list actors who could really just, like, fucking, like, coast at this point in their careers. And both of them make, like, choose some strange things. And it's very good. But (laughs) anyway, so it's completely tangent. But Nicole Kidman's someone who I think consistently challenges herself and consistently chooses interesting roles. I agree. I agree with, I think, Colin Farrell as well, but to a a slightly lesser extent than Nicole Kidman. Look, it's
0: not a huge stretch stretch for Colin Farrell no, but it's it is a great role for him right, like he, it is. I, I, I've said this to you before I genuinely think his agent and his manager need a kick in the pants because he makes some terrible choices some of his he movies does. are horrid and he's had to revert to indie to kind of recover you know, the, the early 2000s <laughs> yeah. were not kind to Colin Farrell um, but this movie, this is what he should have always been making, is these types of
1: yeah char- and, and really
0: complex male characters.
1: Yeah. And he's terrific in it. And Nicole Kidman, like I said, just is fucking like on fire in this. And can in, I say Kirsten Dunst? One. And she's good. I like Kirsten Dunst a lot, too. And I think she just...
0: I think this was one of her best roles. She has not impressed me in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was going through the motions with a lot of films that she's been in. Yeah. And this one, I actually went, oh, shit, there it is. That's where you are again. Yeah. Um, she's, really uh, yeah, good. I think
1: she's been colouring her way back. I mean, between Melancholia um, and then yep. Fargo, she's yep. like, it was amazing in the most recent season, or not most the last season of Fargo. And, and I think she's such an, um, I think, and again, she's also an actress you can co, I'm sure she's rolling in those Spider Man royalties
0: until the end of time. It's <laughs> not something I would brag about, yes.
1: really. <laughs> Spider Man bring it on. Well, like I said, I think it was underwritten. Um, I think was we're... my biggest problem with it. But they did so much with it. The actors did. The actors did, yeah. They recovered no, so well. No criticism of the actors. Like I yeah. said, the, the performances, the cinematography, the score, all that amazing. Cast was the phenomenal. one big, big glaring problem I found with the cast was Elle Fanning. You reckon? I thought she was awful.
0: Really? Because I actually yeah. went, this is you being different.
1: No, I thought she was terrible. Really, I thought she was so overdramatic. I thought she was so, and especially compared to the like the nuance. Um, Nicole Kidman, Colin Farrell, and Kirsten Dunst brought to that And even roles. the other kids, actually, I, yeah. And even yeah. the other kids, especially Angourie Rice, again, she like she was brilliant. She's terrific. She's um, killing it. And yeah, and she's been in, like our last two. Now this is now the Angourie Rice podcast. <laughs> the right. so we only review movies that Angourie Rice has been in, which is um, all of them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. That works for us. Um, but. Yeah, I thought Elle fanning was the biggest issue I had with the movie. I thought Just she too was too much? She was too much. Okay. Um, she was so like all, all of her it. hair
0: flips I could not do de- I got to the point where I was like, please stop. I bought it up until the point that I remembered she was seventeen and I went, at seventeen during that period, you would yeah. have been a hell of a lot smarter kid. Yeah. Like, come on. Not even smarter, but less Flip a was the word I kept coming back to. What? <laughs> 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 yes, it is a word. I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly, but it is a word, and it just means it's like a um, dits Yeah, yeah, she was, I don't know. And it She's... wasn't even ditz. She was. It was. She, she was obnoxious, but that's kind of why I liked her because it was so against type for her to get this kind of character. I do think she was over the top, but it didn't mm. bother me also because I thought I'm never seeing this movie again, really <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah, it's it's.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, and I had other issues in this movie. I mean, Sophia Coppola's written a really great piece for IndieWire about the fact that a main character from the book, which was a slave, was left out of the story. Yeah. Um, and that was, and I mean, you know what? I appreciate why she made that choice. Um, I think it's, I don't necessarily
0: agree with the choice. No, but, but I appreciate that she yeah. made the choice knowingly.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a really really great African American film critic who said, you know, he appreciates the fact that she stayed in her lane. Yeah, because <laughs> she and she says in this article with IndieWire, which again we'll link to in, in the newsletter this week and in the in in the um, post of the episode online, that um, she didn't think that she could tell that story, but then because my inclination and kind of coming back to what we were saying about um, Chris Nolan before in the news section, it's Again, it's a pattern of behaviour with her. She never Definitely. cast women of colour. She whitewashed Bling Ring. There was a lot of kind of issues with her historically. And if you were approaching a project as well, knowing that you had this story that was a part of this, adapta- this adaptation that you were making, wouldn't you find an African-American co-writer? Wouldn't you Consult. Make... Collaborate. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's. I just don't think that's a good enough excuse anymore. Yeah. And it's... And and it's hard because it's this sort of thing where I'm like, oh, you know what, male filmmakers have been getting away this, with this for ages. Like you know, they got away with it with Lincoln only last year, and and yeah. yet she's being held to a higher standard, which is inevitably what happens. So, but also I don't want to go softer on her because she's no. a she's a woman in fact, a I think creator. And again, I really respect her as a filmmaker, yeah. and I think she's made some like like I said, I think she's made some wonderful films. But again, this is a pattern of behaviour. Yeah. Um, and it's not good enough anymore just to say oh, you know what, I didn't want to do this because
0: I couldn't be bothered, bothered. Yeah. essentially. I didn't want to do the work. Yeah. And I think that's that's my biggest problem with Sophia Or I had this very
1: specific story I wanted to tell and a black woman doesn't fit into that.
0: Yeah, which is my issue with her. As you said, it's a pattern of behaviour. But also I don't often feel that she... Like, I, I love her eye. I think she's got a really good eye. I think she's got yeah, a really absolutely. strong eye. But I don't think she puts in the work. No. To be honest, I don't think she hones her craft. I don't think she's particularly experimental in trying to improve her craft. I agree. I think she goes the soft route, and that's yeah. what counting out the character of, I think it's Hallie or Hattie,
1: yeah. um,
0: does, is she goes the, the safe route. Yeah. Um, because she can, because she's Sophia Cop- Coppola, and she doesn't have to be challenged. No. And that's she what frustrates me. doesn't even have to work. Me. No. So and she, she can, it's... Well, she doesn't have to try. This is the thing. When she pitched The Beguiled if it had been an indie movie for a first-time writer, if they had said, I'm cutting out a major character and they're black, I would hope, actually, now that I say get halfway through that thought, no, it wouldn't have happened. Never mind. Take it back. Um, but <laughs> but it someone does, would have challenged them on it. But it's not even
1: that character, right? It's the fact that, so Kirsten Dunst, Edwina in the book is biracial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she's been completely whitewashed, white-washed. as well. Yeah. So it's, it's it's just exhausting, you know. It's like you get to these sorts of things, and you want female creators and female directors to succeed. Yeah, I I know I do very very much so. But at the end of the day, like I said before, it it's this isn't good enough anymore, and it's I'm not I'm I'm not willing to um let people off the hook. I guess no, nope, I think um, I think that's legit. Um, and and again, like it's the sort of thing I th- I think I was saying. T- to you the other day, (laughs) but I was listening to a lot of, or even earlier in this episode I was saying about the fact that I've been listening to a lot of interviews with her, hoping to kind of get a better gauge in how I feel about this film, and I listened to, especially I listened to her interview with Chris Hardwick on the Nerdist podcast, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was... I, I was really, really inspired by her creatively as an artist, like, in terms of the way she talks about, you know, she was a painter, and, and I think she definitely applies that to her definitely, work. And yeah. I think that comes through really, really beautifully and really strongly. Um, and I think that's, a, that's definitely one of her um, high points as, as an artist. Um, but I was also surprised, it just didn't seem like she'd really thought about these characters that much. In, yeah. in, in a way that was, that was, um, that was, was as deep as those characters deserve to be thought about. Yeah. Uh, which kind of, which disappointed me. And I think that showed in the film, like I kind of got to the end of it. And, and well, I did actually enjoy it when I watched it. Yeah. Um, and again, I think a huge part of that was to the sublime visual design of the film and to the amazing performances by 98% of the actors. Um, but it just didn't, it just didn't go deep enough
0: for me. Yeah. And I think we had, we touched on this, the other night, off podcast, <laughs> off podcast, which we often do. <laughs> off Lady Paris. Um, it It's almost, you could almost make the argument that she's operating on style over substance. Yeah. Like, Wes Edinson is very much style. He's right. about the style. The characters are kind of a nice little twist to the beautiful palette that he's mm. delivering you. Um, but I still think this
1: emotional impact with his work. I
0: think so too. And with Sophia what the the subjects she's choosing and she's demonstrated that she has the capacity for substance in yeah. the Bling Ring like it's it Bling Ring's a great movie i was very entertained yeah um heavily whitewashed in that regard but it was an entertaining movie and she said something with it but movies like the virgin suicides and the beguiled i like the virgin suicide though it feels like she's trying to say something Mm -hmm. but because she's not challenging her craft she's not improving her craft she never quite gets herself over the line in what she's trying to say yeah so it becomes much more stylistic than it does um than it may be intended i mean i don't know that's a bit of a uh, confused thought articulating that all <laughs> but I feel like there, there's something that she, that she feels like she should be saying maybe, mm. or, or she's trying to say, but it gets drowned out in style. Yeah. Probably, that's probably more accurate what I'm trying to, yeah, to no, get across. Yeah, no, definitely. I
1: think she's definitely more focused on style and look. Yeah. Um, and that's part of, I think, what makes her a really interesting artist to watch, but it's just not, it's like almost like she should have been a DOP instead of a director.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, or a writer, like... Dude, if you if you've got if you want to make pretty pictures, make pretty pictures.
1: Yeah, become a cinematographer or DOP.
0: Yeah, like it's, um, yeah, because the fact that she's not saying something when it looks like she might be trying to say something. And this is where I come back to the idea of this movie being a red pill apologist film, <laughs> because the begold did not need to be made. It did not need to be remake made, and it did not need to be made now. Um, because for the very if you haven't read it. Um, it it is hugely controversial for its subject matter. Um, it was very much a book of its time. Mm. Um, and the way that it's come across, you know, there's a girl who gets busted having sex and then cries rape. Um, there's women who are left locked up in a house and throw themselves at the first man that comes by. Mm. These are all political issues now that were not treated that way. Yeah. Um. And that's where I got. A, at the end, I just turned around and went. Actually, we didn't need this movie. She mm. could have made any other movie. We didn't need this one. Mm. We could. I would have been happy with the original. Beguiled. Well, it kind of sucked. It's a beautiful movie, and I did enjoy it. But, but we didn't need it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. But it's also like I think though there is a film that's needed within it. It's, um, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's delivered on these no. fronts. Like, And cause she talks a lot about in the various interviews I've read with her and, and what the film kind of is clearly trying to portray is it's, it's really a film about female repression yep. and, and desire. Yep. Um, but those, and those come across though in these entirely, I
0: think, superficial ways. Superficial and, and destructive, not in the narratively interesting destructive way, but in the yeah. red pill apologetic way. Yeah. The end. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's it doesn't quite come off. Mm. Um, and the fact <laughs> – I have to tell you. So I only had two hours parking, and so I put a two-hour timer on. <laughs> and the closer I got – so it's an hour and 33 minutes long. And the closer I got to that two-hour mark, and I was looking – I looked at my thing because I knew I would have to renew my parking. The fact that everything happens in the last ten minutes mm. – really frustrated the living crap out of me I because I think they didn't, they didn't push the issues far enough. Like the whole thing about um, John manipulating the women to get what he needed or get what he wanted to, to feel safe. Yeah that wasn't um pushed far enough uh in that whole lead up to the end event which happened really really quickly and resolved really really quickly it was yeah. it was a really short uh climax and denouement, which yeah. was surprising because the, the trailer builds it up as this really thriller style
1: yeah the trailer moment. i think was a fuck up yeah um
0: it's yeah. Yeah. I, f- I felt like it was both too slow and rushed at the same yeah, time. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I, like I said, at the end of the day, I, I think I enjoyed it. I think I agree with you. And I don't think I'll watch it again. Yeah. Um, it's... And the thing that I think that frustrated me about it, though, is that I there's a really, really amazing film in there. Yeah. And it just wasn't there. No. Um, and it wasn't that film. No. Um, and again, that... that said I'm, I'm still, I'm always, ch- I'm always going to be checking for Sophia Coppola, you know, like when she releases a new movie, I will see it. because it's yeah. what I, I've always done. And I think when she's great, she's great. This was not great. No. And I wished it was great because the performances and the style and the, style was and even the story, it's, I'm into that. Like yeah. that's, it's something I'm into, but it just never, never um, quite paid off. It never quite paid off. And it's, And I was kind of interested in it, in the sense of the Western tone of it, to bring it back to genre, in the sense of... Because Western is typically looking out, and this is looking in, which I find really interesting. Um, But again, it just never did anything with it. It had, like, all these amazing parts, but they didn't... They were... The parts were better than the, the sum of the whole, them, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it
0: was, and, it was just disappointing. And it was cool for a Civil War movie to focus exclusively, almost exclusively on women. Yeah. Um, and the female experience of the Civil War, mm. which you never see in a solely female environment. Like, yeah. gone with the wind.
1: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't uh, say that's
0: an authentic female experience yeah. of the Civil War, but this, this felt mm. authentic. And that's why I think I was so disappointed with the the drama of it i think i think you know there's a there was a lot of work there you know mm-hmm. the the dresses the detail of that and that juxtaposition of light and shadow um was authentic for that time you know they mm. didn't have electricity they relied on candles and the way that they use light it's was light very evocative amazing. um the the music stuff the lessons the the whole way of life you t- it was so well-researched and so well-conceived mm-hmm. that the drama of it really let it down, and that's yeah. that's what upset me about it, yeah. And the character,
1: again, again, I know, as always, character is my thing. Like, it's yep. just, if it's, I'm forgiving of a lot of stuff if I believe that the writers know the character. Um, And the thing is, it's with that, I just don't feel like, Especially Kirsten Dunst's character, I felt was all over the mm. place in terms of her motivation. The writers
0: didn't know; the actors did though, and yeah. I think I give them a lot of credit for pulling that script up. They yeah, held they did. that they story, me. yeah. Anyway, moving it was very on. Frustrating. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful also, movie, worth yeah. seeing once. Yeah. Never have to see it again.
1: Support female filmmakers.
0: Correct. <laughs> but be better, Sophia Coppola. Anywho, <laughs> um, make better movies. Beckdale Wallace uh, Test. Given that Sophia Coppola has no idea what the bechdel Wallace test is, yeah, it passed. It did. Sort
1: of. Sort of. They're most about men. They talked about poison a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was a really interesting scene, actually. I loved that. That was a highlight of the... That whole film was worth it to me for the climax. But... For the did bit you where they the, poison them.
0: Yeah, but the see, the bit where um, Colin Farrell's like, you you got a little girl to do your dirty yeah. work. And that was the whole... The the, the concept of the, the resolution was... Yeah. Miss Martha was so um, kind of overcome with decision paralysis that these little yeah. girls come up with this nefarious oh, I know, scheme. I love it. I love
1: it when um that little girl's just like... Picking
0: he machine. liked the mushroom. <laughs> I
1: was <guess the> <laughs> like, oh, you're devious.
0: Charles love it. But I, I really like the implication of what their lives are going to be after mm. that as well because I'm like, yeah. imagine coming out of the end of the war, still staying at the school, knowing what happened in that war. Yeah, <gasps> <gasps> yeah
1: so good. It was so good. So satisfying in that front. But again, like it, it was, it was, yeah. But yeah. Anyway.
0: um, Yeah, so back to, I mean, they talk about gardening mm-hmm. and they talk about music lessons and it moves the plot forward. Actually, I think it does pass. I mean, there's definitely more than two characters. They are definitely female characters. They definitely talk to each other. It doesn't move the plot forward. um, It does. It talks about ah. Uh, well, do they talk to each other about something other than a man that moves the plot forward? They talk about the Civil War. That's true. I
1: give of. it. a, I give it a soft pass. I don't like give it a full. I think I give it. But an that's the central 80%.
0: conceit. Yeah. Is the fact that this foreign creature has entered their,
1: their sanctum,
0: sanctum, <laughs> 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 their lady part. <laughs>
1: Literally, Literally
0: and figuratively, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. Like it's, um, what I do really like is the the women were very different from each other. Even mm-hmm. the girls were very different to each other. They all did have different roles to play, mm-hmm. um, and I liked that you know, um, Angori Rice's Jane was very much. Oh no, nope, we're gonna get in trouble. You should tell you yeah. should hit, surrender him immediately. And one of them was like, Well you dressed up, Miss Edwina yeah. and Custom Dunce, you know, Edwina really just wants to get out, she doesn't care how and mm-hmm. she would risk her her self yeah. um just to get out of that place. But
1: even but even her motivation was all over the place. Like Oh, it's had... a why. Yeah, and it's even like, cause when she went to go bang him later, <laughs> I was like, appreciate it, I would also bang Colin Farrell, but it's like, I was like, is she going to distract him long enough that they can find a think of a plot to get rid of him? Is she going because she actually wants to have sex with him? Is she going because she um, likes and desires him? Is she going to try and reconnect with him? Like, what's the...
0: I that had no idea yeah. what the
1: fabric of her motivation was yeah. at all in going to see him again. I think she... at that point she knew he was dangerous, or she was attracted to him. Their connection was like, and I've got to say as well, like when he was just like, "I love you." Um, it's our been a entire, day. Our entire cinema burst
0: into laughter. Um, um, yes, I see your point, but in saying that, you know, Martha, even though you don't know her past, you don't know her history, any of that kind of stuff. Um. And you don't know her motivation. You kind of get her ego, Miss Martha Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's just Nicole Kidman's flaws. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> so you can't. That's true. If but then I think that's a weakness of the writing again. Yeah, you know. again, yeah,
1: no, I totally agree. But so yeah. if right, there's anything remotely praising Nicole Kippen, I'm just I just materialise oh, I smoke all
0: in. <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: it's just I'm just here to agree seamlessly
0: for hours. But Una Lawrence is Amy, you know, Amy's character she, she was great. She just wanted she wanted buddies. That's all oh, she wanted. And was. the fact that
1: she has to be the one to poison like get the poison mushrooms, I was like, Oh baby girl. I'm yeah. so sorry, I love you. But Colin Farrell, a I get flawless. Again.
0: Like, I mean, it, it was Intercept, great to yeah. see so many female characters that were different, even though yeah. we didn't understand them. They were different characters, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. Um, so yes, soft pass on the Beck Delta. Te- <laughs> yeah, going back to that tangent there. Uh, sexy uh, lamp test. Emily could be a sexy lamp. Emily. One of the girls could, at least one of or two which of the one's girls. Which Emily? Emily. This is exactly. She's the snooty one that goes after Alicia to hang the washing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Look, I I
1: think I'd give it a Mary. Soft, I'd give it a it's Mary.
0: Name. No, no, that's look, not a name. That's
1: all ruined. It's Emily. It's, yeah,
0: it's Emily. <laughs> Emily's the one I'm talking about. She could um, be a sexy lamp.
1: Oh, well, I'd give it a soft pass on sexy lamp. Yeah, I think that, I think all the characters have enough agency. I just think their motivation's not clear. As I said before, I concur. Um, so it's a confused sexy lamp.
0: <laughs> no, it's very <laughs> confused. <laughs> And Boy Bits. I think we've yeah, kind of covered that. I mean, boy bits. there's not barons. a lot of <laughs> characters there. Marie. Oh, I knew it was oh, M-word. That was a tangent. Um, um, I think two, we've covered Boy Bits. I think we have. I think it was really interesting, though, to bring in um, the Civil War characters as a point of threat. Mm. Like, these are people on their own side that they're now genuinely afraid of because they've succumbed to their feminine ways, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of cool to see it... Um, the men kind of be background decoration I know, that for was a cool. change, which is yeah, quite good. That was cool. Um, they were a distraction. They weren't part of the plot, which was mm. kind of good. Um, but, yeah,
1: I think... Or it's to... you could even argue that any, all of the male characters in that were catalysts for drama. Yes. Like, it wasn't... Um, like, even Colton Farrell's character is really a catalyst for drama. Like, yep. it's his... All of his injuries and stuff like that, and, and it's... Um, and we're in a better film. Um, would have been more incidental, and it more, would yep. have been more about the conflict between the women. Um, and unfortunately, it's not that film. Nice. No. This is this podcast slowly becomes me rewriting. Basically.
0: I'm <laughs> okay with this scenario. Uh, yeah, and I think um, my biggest complaint too is I don't think Edwina um changes. No. Uh, Martha does. She becomes more
1: mm, Martha. I agree.
0: Um, Alicia doesn't change so much as reveal. Yeah. I think who she is. Um and the other characters show that their...
1: but she's she's changed by the story that's true but not necessarily doesn't necessarily change as a person no. i think um so I, i'm yeah it's the potential's it's, there it's hard yeah it's it's a hard one to actually talk about cuz Sofia Coppola famously as well doesn't really she's she doesn't really reveal her hand often as a as a writer or director either i yeah. think um, and in some cases that works really well, like in Lost in Translation, that works, works really, really well. well
0: yeah. Um, even Virgin, Suicides, even even Virgin that's not Suicide. Even Virgin Suicide, it works really
1: well. But I just yeah. don't think it works as well in this film as okay. it could. Um, yeah, that's kind of my. Like, yeah. Good. See it once.
0: Look beautiful. Yeah. So I genuinely swoon over that. Design. Oh, yeah. I, I keep coming back to it just thinking I could watch that as background noise. Mm. Like, remove the whole plot and I'd mm. be fine. <laughs> 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 and just have that in the background. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be um,
1: happy. So, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks to discuss the latest um, in women in film, or uh, well, genre film, um, and to talk about Atomic Blonde, which <gasps> is I'm very excited for, personally. Yes. Oh, no.
0: No, not at all. At least, Theron and I are not friends. Oh,
1: no, well, she's not friends with many people. So. <laughs> That's but my feeling, yeah. I think it looks awesome.
0: I think it looks amazing.
1: Um,
0: But before then, we're going to talk about Comic-Con. Comic-Con.
1: So um, you can join us next week for
0: that. Correct. And you can find me on Twitters at Insomniacs Cafe. And me at my name, which is Sophie Obrote. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. But yeah, tell us what you thought about the Beguiled, and if you agree or disagree, we like hearing those opinions too. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see sure, you see you next week for
1: Comic Con, and see a uh, week after for Atomic, Atomic Blonde. Atomic
0: Blonde, boom, baby.